Yeah, this is the time that we all been waiting on. The moment all the naysayers been hating on. See, they've been talking down on us and flexing. It'll take more than that for you to stop a Houston Texan. A lot of teams talking tough and can't back it up. But not the boys on Kirby, so you can pack it up. Reliant Stadium is where you can find us with the whole city of Houston, Texas standing behind us. See, we've been waiting on this one for 10 years. Sacrificing our bodies with blood, sweat, and tears. But now we're focused and we're showing no fear. When we blast through the tunnel, you hear the crowd cheer. Deep steel, blue, rowdy red, on the Liberty White. We came dressed up and ready to fight. We are the mighty Houston, Texas, and we don't play. So now I guess it's only one thing to say. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. Uh, I am young Ari Gold, and I am joined by a special guest tonight. Nose tackle out of Colorado, Javier Edwards, and also, Javier, correct me if I'm wrong, but also uh, went to high school in Aldine, right? Yep, yes, sir. Aldine Davis. Okay, so you were born and raised in the age. Oh, yeah. Born and raised. Okay, so you're you're a Rockets fan, you're an Astros fan, all that? Yep. (laughs) All right. So uh, why don't you give a introduction to who you are and... uh, what position you played in college and kind of what you're getting geared up for right now? Uh, um, Javier Edwards played defensive tackle for uh, University of Colorado. Um, did two years there um, before I, before I transferred in from Blinn, junior college, and now I've just been working out training in Houston. So you know, I've, everything's been 100 percent Houston the whole the whole process. You okay. know, my age. My my agents from Houston, <laughs> you know, trainers from Houston, you know, and um, you know, we we the city been having my back this whole process, and you know, I've been going hard not only for my family but for the whole city of Houston. Yeah, that's that's crazy because you don't get a lot when it comes to this process. Like there doesn't seem to be a lot of from Houston, like born and raised from Houston, and like where you're at now like that's that's the like that's that's h-town like that's yeah. that's that's what we're about if anything um so okay so javier i don't do draft um grades based on play i'm kind of uh, a mixed bag I, I i do my grades based on music selection okay um so we're gonna have a brief conversation about music now if you're from the h then travis scott's definitely in your playlist but if we go back, how far back are we going on the H Town music scene? Oh, we're going we're going back to Ghetto Boy. Okay. Scarface. Okay. So is Scarface the top five MC? Oh yeah. Top Scarface probably the top five for me in America. Oh, okay. So all time. Yeah, I, I like I like I, I really I love Scarface. You know, but you know, uh, my, my favorite rapper is actually Zero, though. I, I love the, Zero. The most city Don, huh? Yeah, I love Zero. Okay. That's my guy. Okay. Have you met him? No, nah, I never met him. Yeah. I mean, he's in he's he, he he's in the streets of Missouri City, like <laughs> you can you yeah. can see him at the Seven Eleven. Um, <laughs> what about outside the age? Like, what kind of music are you are you listening to? Like, like for me, I lo- like Future's always in my playlist. Um, Cole is on my playlist. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a big Kid Cudi guy. 
Like, what, what are you jamming to right now? And like, and, and what are you using to get ready for for the the practices and everything else? Oh man, I, all honestly, I'm I'm an old soul. I, I'm still stuck in the '80s. Okay. R and B. I I listen to all anything R and B. I love it. That's 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 my area. But before the games and stuff, you know, I I listen to pretty much anything. I put on shuffle and boys to men uh, uh, come on and I. And I can rock with them, so I just, I just love music. So, you know, I, I can listen to anything and get pumped up. But I, I really like like jamming Lil Wayne, okay, and, and and Fifty Cent before the game. Oh man, Fifty Cent, Get Richard Die Trying is like one of my favorite albums. Mm-hmm. My God, yeah. that's a great album. Yeah, if, if, if I'm listening to those to somebody in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so all right, we had fun now. So, so tell me about Javier Edwards, the football player. Uh, you're a nose tackle. Um, are, are you a nose tackle and primarily a four three, a three four? Doesn't matter. Can you line up uh, on the edge? Like, where where do you where do you see yourself? Uh, I I see myself. I can play anything. You know, a, a, a lot of uh, scouts say I, I can play from zero to three. I even think I can, I can play. Anywhere along the line, I feel like. But, you know, in the 4-3, I can play the nose guard. I can play defensive the tackle spot, the three technique. So it, it, I can I can do whatever you want me to do. Okay. What, what is, what's been the most standout part of this process for you, right? Like growing up in the H, growing up in Aldine, like <clears throat> I would imagine you haven't had the, the easiest path. Um what has this process like? What is the one part where you look back and you say like, "This is where I know like, it, this is I, it's going to happen because of this." I, I would say is I would say, you know, I was really down on myself about, you know, not taking high school serious, and uh, you know, I, I ended up going to blend, and you know, it and it just changed my mind. So you know, I had to take things more seriously. You know, my grades, my weight. All that type of stuff, and it's because of you know me messing up. It, it's helping my future. Okay. So when you say blend, did you go to Blend College over by A and M? Yeah. Okay. You ever go to Northgate? Uh, I don't think I've ever been there. No. Okay. That wasn't, that wasn't my that, that wasn't my uh, my style right there. Okay. All right. Um, so when it comes to like your, your personal life and everything leading up to when you decided to go to Colorado State, I mean, take me through your childhood and take me like, what was life growing up? Oh man, you know, I was always the big kid, but you know, I, I never really hung, hung around, um, skilled players. I was the only, you know, uh, defensive lineman playing with, you know, quarterbacks, receivers and DBs. You know that that competitive, and you, you you know you, you can't just lay down. You you, you got to fight for it. So right. that's how I got athletic. And then you know I have a cousin. You know me and him will hang together all day every day. And this is I I, I think this is just my opinion. This is where I think I got my speed from. He would he would tell me he was like, hey man, you uh we couldn't be about nine years old, nine maybe ten. He was like, hey man, you want to go do something stupid? I was like, yeah, let's do it. It was these three big old dogs, three Rottweilers. We would open the gate and just run from them at least twice a week. <laughs> <laughs> and still to this day, I don't know why I did. 
I mean, if anything, that was a telling sign of what your future looks like if you're able to expe- escape three Rottweilers. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I can't believe we used to do that. So, yeah, that's, I think that's where all that athleticism came from. And, you know, and just, you know, also I just fell in love with the game at a young age too. So, now, nah, you know, it's, it's not even a job. No, it's not really like a job. It's just doing what I love. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, we can re- I can relate to that. This is um, this was a passion project for us. We just wanted an hour and a half. I typically have a co-host, and we I just love I love football, but I made a ton of bad decisions at an early age, and I don't honestly, if I'm being real, I don't know if I had the athletic ability to be able to be successful, anyways. But we'll just blame the other part of it. Um, and uh, and we decided to just talk about the Texans an hour and a half every week, and then we just started to record, and now we've become the number one Texans podcast, and we don't monetize it. We don't we don't want to make any money on it. We just this is this is what we love. Like it's yeah. it's just the way it is. And when you love something, the the I mean that's like the most fulfilling aspect of it. Yeah, the the, the rewards come by itself. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we've had Bill O'Brien on, and we've, I mean, so, like, it, the the podcast has gone for more, so I, I appreciate that. It's nice to hear, like, those kinds of things from a player. So, ideally, in the next couple of days, what's your schedule look like leading up to the draft? Um, tomorrow, I got a couple of interviews. Uh, I got a couple of interviews on Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday, you know, I'm, Waiting to hit Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Waiting to hit my name called. So that, that's that's the plan. So Still working out too. So where do you work out in Houston? I work out like kind of the Woodland Spring, okay. Woodlands area, uh, with Derek Johnson. Mm. Yeah, he's my he's my trainer. Okay. So expectations for you with the draft, like how do you mentally prepare for something like that, right? Because junior college blend somewhat considered smaller school Colorado. Like, for you personally, like, how do you go into this weekend mentally? Oh, man, my, my mindset is, you know, wh- whatever happens, happens. Man. I, I can't control none of it. And because, um, you know, I, I've heard things from, man, Javier, you're going to go really high. Javier, you might go really low. So, and, and I'm saying I'm going somewhere between rounds one and seven. That's why I said <laughs> So I, I I don't know nothing, so I just you know I just go on with the mindset, you know, man. Whatever the good Lord bless me with, that's what He'll bless me with. I'm you know I'm just going in with whatever happens happens. So have you had uh, any visits lined up? Uh, no, but I've I've worked out with Texas. Yeah, I saw that. How was that experience? Oh, uh, it was good. It, it was fun. Um, Meeting the coaches and being around um, Coach Weaver, Anthony Weaver. You know, he yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a good coach. You know, I I like being, I see myself. You know, if he listening, you might as well come come grab me. And, you know, I like I like I like um, I love working with him. Well, then and then working under Romeo Cannell would definitely be beneficial. But then oh, yeah. when you look at the yeah. talent of that line, if you're lined up, whether it be DJ Reader, who mm-hmm. Most people don't give the credit he deserves, but that's whatever. And then you got J.J., Clowney, Merciless, Brandon Dunn, you know, Angelo Blackson. Like, there's a ton of talent on that defensive line. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you being at H-Town, 
kid, is that the ultimate dream? Like, if that could happen, is that the perfect scenario? Oh, yeah, that that is the ultimate dream. You know, that, you know, I mean, you would love to play for the Oilers, but, you know, you can't do that. Uh. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just, you know, growing up in Houston, you, like I told, I said this before, um, you, you either want to play for UT or you want to play for the Texans. So, that's that. Those those were the biggest things growing up. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, Deontay Foreman last year or two years ago, take him from UT, but grew up in Galveston. Like you can just you just hear it when he talks. Like, there's something yeah. about people from the H that people outside the H have no idea. They they don't yeah. they don't know the mentality of somebody that's from Houston that wants to accomplish what they're set out to accomplish. We're going to do it. That's that's just that's that's H town. Yeah, definitely. Um all right, so draft coming up. Let's say that the ultimate dream happens. What are the Texans getting in Javier Edwards? Oh, they they getting a guy who's who's going to be aggressive, a guy that's going to work hard. You know, I'm I'm going to fulfill every expectation that they have of me. And you know, a guy that's going to be a fun guy in the locker room. Okay, and then what are what's what's two things that Texans fans should know going into the draft once you are selected by the Houston Texans? Because we don't deal in what ifs. Once once it happens, what are two things that they would not know about you before becoming a Texan? I would say I would say they 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 would finally get to see, you know the whole the whole city of Houston. We'll probably get to finally get to see my personality that, um, you know, a lot of people don't really get to see that side of me. But and another thing, they would, they would get to see another dominant defensive tackle playing in Houston. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I DJ needs some help, so um, it would be much beneficial. Um, all right, Javier, last thing. We want to wish you – the best of luck, brother. Like, we want to see H-Town win, and uh, we know that that's going to happen. So um, I really do appreciate you taking time to talk to us about it. Um, any closing messages for your Texans fans or H-Town in general? Oh, man. Whether I'm a Texan or not, I'm going to always be, be – I'm going to hold it down for H-Town at heart, man. So, you know, they they always going to be on my back no matter who I play for or what I'm doing. You just can't go up 45 and go to uh, that star. That can't happen. Oh man! Hey, if if I mean I know if it does, yeah, we got to deal with it. <laughs> I got to do what I got to do to feed my family, but uh, <laughs> you know it, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, Javier, I really appreciate it. Um, good luck to you. We'll be in touch after the draft to find out where you went and uh, kind of what the plans are moving forward. So again, thank you so much for for hopping on with us. All right. All right, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Javier Edwards. Um, it's looking like a day three guy, sixth to seventh round, um, but really cool guy, really cool agent in Robert, um, who also happens to be Lonnie Johnson's agent, uh, which is where we connected originally. Um, but Lonnie just had some busy stuff going on in the last couple of days and wasn't able to get on. So it looks like we'll have him on after the NFL draft. But, um, he did say that if, you know, that we can have him on after. So that'll be great. 
Um, now we're getting into the Dane Brugler interview, and forgive me, but the first 15 seconds weren't recorded um, as I was going from back-to-back-to-back interviews. Um, so uh, there was a little lag between that. But this is me talking to Dane Brugler of The Athletic about the upcoming NFL draft, uh, what the Texans can get out of this draft and where they would like to go. Uh, so I really hope you enjoy it. This is very in-depth. Uh, Dane's one of the best to follow. Make sure you guys subscribe to The Athletic um, as – First of all, it's a great subscription model and tons of articles, but Dane Brugler's uh, draft guide is probably the best one out there. Tons of information. I think it's like 230 pages or something like that. So make sure you guys check that out. But here's my interview with Dane Brugler from The Athletic. Before we know it, we'll be talking about fits and, you know, uh, who fits here, who fits there instead of trying to guess. But uh, it's all part of the fun. Yeah, and then you'll be able to put out your grades and all that, and then everybody in three years can go back and destroy – everybody's grades and be like, I can't believe you missed on this guy. What were you thinking? Uh, how do you, how are you good at your job? And you get the Twitter trolls and, and all that good stuff. So that, that's probably the most uh, fun uh, part about your job, huh? Yeah. Uh, it comes with the territory, I guess. I mean, it's, I get to watch football for a living. And, you know, so I guess there has to be some downside to it, you know. And that just happens to be, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of people who – you know, don't see all the work that gets put into this. And, you know, and it's one of those things where uh, the the best general managers, the best talent evaluators in the NFL, uh, they miss too, you know. And awesome. it's all about – oh, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's all about self-evaluation and understanding, you know, em- embracing why you missed. So you, uh, you're better for it and you don't make the same mistakes. So uh, it's, uh, it's definitely fair to evaluate the evaluators. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it's all part of the process. Yeah. Well, and the difference between you or Lance or any of the other big-time draft analysts, when you guys miss, it's pretty much just you guys uh, doing the scouting. But then when you look at a general manager who misses, they have a team of 64 scouts and assistant directors, and, and that means that everybody else in that room missed. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's that's a good point. And, you know, teams put millions and millions of dollars of, of resources into it. So, uh, you know, from for those of us on the outside looking in, you know, I mean, I, I feel good about my sources and, you know, uh, what I'm told and obviously my eye for talent and the way I can break down uh, players and film and all that. But there's certain things that we just don't know. You know, a lot of it with the character side of things, I mean, it's intangibles matter. And that's something where we on the outside looking in only know so much. And so that's an area where we're kind of at a disadvantage where teams – you know, they, they spend a lot of money in that. So they, you know, they, they better get it right. Uh, and a lot of times they don't. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just the it's the way the draft works. Like, there's just no way. There's no exact science. Uh, I saw the Ringer no. put out a article today called The Exact Science That the NFL Draft is Moving Towards. And it's like, okay, yeah, good, good luck with that. Um, all right. So with the Texans, obviously us being a Texans-based podcast, um, I think there's a pretty – understanding of what the needs are, um, I, offensive tackle, uh, I think center, but some other people don't think so. Um, cornerback, safety, I think interior defensive line is an area. Based on what you've been putting together, uh, and, and your draft guide is fantastic, by the way. If you guys, let, let me start this off first. If you guys don't subscribe to The Athletic, you guys are missing out on a ton of good um, articles and, and draft guides that Dane just put out. What you just you put that out what two weeks ago? Yeah, two weeks ago. That sounds right. Yep. 
Um, and then, you know, there's also Aaron Reese, who covers the Texans for The Athletic. You guys all know Rivers McCown, who's on the podcast quite a bit. Uh, he was with The Athletic last year. So you guys definitely need to go subscribe um, and, and join what The Athletic is doing. But back to the Texans. So with those needs, Dane, where do you see the Texans being able – or how do you see the Texans being able to address some of those needs? Well, I mean, you summed it up. It starts with the offensive line. Um, you know, you, with three picks in uh, you know the first two rounds, you just you figure that one of those is guaranteed to be an offensive lineman, and I think that there's a good argument that two could be an offensive lineman just to get more depth on that front. Um, with the 23rd pick, it's going to be interesting to see which tackles are still on the board. Uh, we're going to see several of those tackles uh, go in the first 20 picks. Uh, Andre Diller from Washington State, Jonah Williams, Alabama, Jawan Taylor from Florida. I think there's uh, uh, almost a, uh, you know, a, a, a lock, almost. I can't say a lock, a lock with the NFL draft because anything could happen. But I'd be shocked if any of those three fell out of the top 16, 18 picks. Uh, after that, then, okay, where does Cody Ford go? And do the Texans even view Cody Ford as a tackle? Right. Uh, he's a guard on a lot of uh, draft boards around the league. So uh, as one scout put it to me, you can either get an A-minus guard or a B-plus tackle, and that's how they view Cody Ford. Uh, but, you know, Houston might view him as a guard, and have, that's where they have him on the board, so who knows. Uh, Caleb McGarry from Washington, some people might think that would be a reach. Uh, but if you're wiped out with those first few tackles, then you go to the next one, and Caleb McGarry might be it. Greg Little from Ole Miss also in that mix. Uh, and the problem with the Texans' second-rounders, they're in the later portion of the second round. Yep. So you can't really just wait and say, hey, we'll get our offensive tackle there. You just don't know who's going to be there. So the first round, it, I think it just has to be an offensive lineman, and it's going to be fascinating to see what talent pool they're picking from who's left uh, among the tackle uh, prospects. Well, I think what a lot of people don't seem to understand is that it's not just the Texans that have tackle problems. It's it's pretty much, I'd say, 25 out of the 32 teams that could stand to upgrade their tackle. Um, it's not a position that is just, you could just go get one and, and put them in the starting spot and you're fine. I mean, it's a problem in the league. And mm-hmm. with Dillard, Taylor, and... Um, Williams, the, I, I honestly could see those guys going uh, Jacksonville. Um, I mean, there's so many teams that need them. The, the Jets could use one. Minnesota needs them. So there, there's so many teams before the Texans that I just don't see them being able to get one of those guys. And if we go based off of what Brian Gaines has been saying, they're not going to reach on anything. So in my mind, I'm starting to think that if they go BPA, throughout the draft, and if they're comfortable with Khalil and Henderson and Davenport, which, honestly, part of me tells me that they actually are okay going into the season with that. I know most people don't believe that, but I think they wanted to set themselves up to be able to take the best player available throughout the draft and do what they can. So in a, in a scenario where they don't take a tackle, they take the best player available at 23, who could that best player be any position? I think you look in the secondary. Um, the secondary is a, a spot where I think the Texans, they need help. Obviously, a yep. corner, they have needs. And they it's a realistic possibility that there might not be a single defensive back drafted in the first 22 picks. Is it really so, that bad? Well, it's just not. It's kind of like the wide receiver class where okay. it's it's a there's some 
pretty good depth in the late first, second, third round. But there just aren't any of those top-tier players, those stars. The first 20 picks are going to be dominated by defensive line, offensive line, quarterbacks. That, that's what's going to make up the first uh, 20 picks. And if you're uh, the Texans, you're hoping to see four quarterbacks come off the board in the, in the top 20. You know, push those good players down to you. Uh, so I think that there's a good chance, and even if there's one corner off the board, say, you know, Greedy Williams goes 20 to the Steelers, you know, still a good chance that, they're going to have, uh, you know, their pick of uh, maybe uh, all the corners except for one. Uh, so there, there was a good chance that they have a corner that's highly rated at that point if they want to go that direction. So I think the defensive backfield is definitely a spot where I can see them headed if they don't go offensive line. Okay. All right, so my corner, even though it's not a first-round grade on most boards, there, there's two corners that I really like. One is Jojoine Williams from Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. I like his size. Um, I like his ability to press. Um, he has he has this, the speed that you need at corner. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what you saw to Jojoine Williams when you were watching the tape? Yeah, well, I mean, I think he's – I mean, you, you summed him up. He, he's big. I mean, you just don't see guys uh, that are just a shade under 6'4", uh, 215 pounds uh, at the corner position. Uh, with that type of length. Um, you know, I, I love the way he's always ball searching. I mean, he gets his hands on the. He led the SEC in passes defended last year. Um, you write about the press. He's physical. Uh, understand that he needs to use that length. But there are times where if he doesn't land his jam, and you know, the, it, once he loses a step, it's over. And it, for anybody that wants to see more on on Joe Williams, watch the Georgia tape. That I thought showed kind of where you like him and where you're also worried because once the receiver was able to gain a step on him vertically, uh, you know, the, that, that's where the quarterback was looking because he knew that Williams, that four, six speed wasn't able to make it up and wasn't able to recover. So uh, I think that there, there's a lot to like about him with his toughness, the size, uh, it, the ball skills, the competitive nature, but the Deep speed and the ability to recover are just two areas where that that really concerns you. Because if you're impressed and you're on an island, yeah. you better not uh, have, your your technique better be sound at the line of scrimmage. Because if it's not and you have a false step, you're done. You're cooked. And for a, a player like Joan Williams, uh, if he's going to be thrown out there as a rookie, that's something that uh, you know these savvy NFL receivers are going to be licking their chops to go up against him. Yeah. So who is your favorite corner in the draft? Me, it's Byron Murphy from Washington. Okay. Um, and, look, if you're short and small by NFL standards, and Byron Murphy is, he's under 5'11", and he's a 4'5'5 uh, athlete. So by NFL standards, that's a short, slow cornerback. But if you're going to be short and slow, you better be above average everywhere else. And I think he is. Um, uh, he's uh, ultra-instinctive. You love the competitive nature. Um, the ball skills are there. Uh, the, the technique, especially in zone, is outstanding. Uh, the toughness, I mean, he's off the charts in all these areas. And so I'm going to bet on, uh, you know, the technical side, the mental side. I'm going to bet on those traits. And, you know, uh, and I know I just got done talking about Joan Williams and how the deep speed and all that. But I think Byron Murphy, because he is so sharp and he, you know, he's able to put himself in the right position at the right time, he's able to mask some of that. You know, the lack of elite length, the mask of elite size or size and speed. So, for me, I'm going to bet on Byron Murphy uh, to be the top corner in this class. So, when it comes to Byron Murphy, I think Texans fans 
concern is Kevin Johnson. Even though mm. Kevin Johnson was a little bit taller, it's the size weight-wise that scares us with Kevin Johnson. Sure. And, well, and I think that would be like kind of like your Greedy Williams this year from LSU, right. who you know is 6'2", but you he's only 185 pounds. And so, you know, you really worry about his ability to hold up. And, you, you know, the bench press is not exactly the best uh, predictor of play strength and all that. But, you know, you can count on one hand the number of corners in this draft who had who couldn't even get double-digit reps on the bench. And Greedy Williams is one of them. You know, he just doesn't have that ideal play strength that you want. Um, and it's something that's shown on film. Um, as, a, as a run defender, uh, he would leave production on the field. And so I think, you know, you love uh, the size in terms of the height and length. Uh, you love the speed of a 4-3 athlete. But there are certainly things, uh, the lack of a, a true competitive nature, the lack of play strength with Greedy Williams, things that kind of leave you wondering, how is he going to hold up at the next level? Is he going to be able to, uh, overcome that when he has to face, you know, some of the bigger, more physical receivers that the NFL has to offer. Yeah. Um, what about – so when I'm looking at the draft, the, the story that I find very interesting is Jeffrey Simmons uh, and Montez mm-hmm. Sweet. Um, I see now with updated mock drafts or draft analysts are starting to say that both of them could fall out of the first round. Um, my no, question I is – you don't either one of them? It. I, so no, I don't either. I don't. Based on the talent, I don't see how either one of them could fall out of the first round. Well, and the thing with Sweat, it's all about the heart condition. Um, he, it, it, it's an enlarged heart, but the teams that I've talked to, they're okay with it. They, it's not like Maurice Hurst last year. It's right. something where it, uh, you know, it's going to require routine checkups, and they're going to monitor it closely, but none of these teams – I've talked to several teams in the top 20 – and they've all told me that they're okay with it. Now, who knows? Maybe that, you know, they just like another player over Sweat. And, you know, I, I believe Sweat is off some boards. I know he's off some boards. But, uh, you know, and who knows? He, he could fall a little bit because, you know, teams that like him also like other players more. And, you know, but I still, to see him fall out of the first round, I think that would be a pretty big shock. And with Jeffrey Simmons, he could fall out just because, it, you know, look, he's a top five talent in this class. But he has two things working against him with, uh, you know, the baggage yeah. from his background. But and then just coming off an ACL, uh, you know, I know ACLs, this day and age, you can come back for them fairly easy. But at the same time, everybody's knee is different. You know, everybody responds differently. Everybody returns differently. And it's just not a guarantee that, you know, he'll, he'll just come back and be at full strength and be the same guy. You just You just never know. And so not only are you drafting a player in the first round who has to take a redshirt year, but you're just also kind of crossing your fingers that he'll still be the same dominant player that we saw at Mississippi State. So I, I think the talent is going to win out, and he'll go somewhere top 32. But um, I, I would understand if Simmons did not go in the first round. But Sweat, that would be a surprise. So with Montez Sweat the and, and Simmons, for me, um, I think they're both amazing players. I think you can make an argument that Jeffrey Simmons, pr- previous to his injury, could be a top three player in this draft, but um, Montez Sweat did have a visit with the Texans, and he was openly talking about how they showed him film about how we utilize Clowney. Um, I think if either, I don't know if Simmons, I don't know if they'd take a risk on Simmons, um, just given the state of the franchise right now, but I think if Sweat is there, I could see the Texans taking him. 
Yeah, I could too. Absolutely. Um, you know, you again the, the the whole medical situation. That's not something you can really debate. Like in a war room, like either your doctor says yes, he's good, or no, we have major concerns, and that's that. You know, like if you're a you know uh, in charge of a war room, if you're a general manager, you're not arguing with the with the team doctor about it. If he says there's a the heart issue is too much and you know, it is best to be conservative and stay away, then so be it. But, again, that's not what I have heard. But at the same time, these, there's different levels of, you know, what teams are willing to tolerate in terms of, uh, you know, an issue like that. Uh, some teams might be ultra-conservative. Some teams might not. I don't know how the Houston Texans grade Montez Sweat. But if he were to be there, I think that would be tremendous value. And based on what I've heard with Sweat and his heart condition, um, you know, it, it's definitely a chance worth taking, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Um, all right, one last question before I let you get out of here. Um, I am a huge Jadavian Clowney fan. I'm, I'm a huge mm-hmm. Jadavian Clowney fan. I don't think people realize what he actually does on tape, and I also don't think people realize what he's asked to do and what he's responsible for on the field. I think a lot of people are spoiled by the fact that J.J. Watt is a defensive end in Houston, and I think most people and fans expect – expected or expect JD to basically be JJ on and off the field. And I think, I don't know how often you go into Texans Twitter, but 75% of Texans fans want to trade Jadavian Clowney and not pay him. What is your read on that situation and what would you do? You know, without knowing the exact numbers that, uh, you know, both sides are talking about, it, it can be tough. I mean, I, I'm based in Dallas, and so I just I mean, I've heard a lot from Dallas fans over the last six months about Demarcus Lawrence and his contract, and you know uh, if, if he's worth paying, and you know a huge pie of your salary cap going going to uh, or a huge uh, piece of the pie going to uh, one player, and if it's worth it, um, it, it's certainly part of your team building strategy uh, because you you can't pay everybody. But I think Clowney is the type of player you you try you pay. I mean, you figure out a way to make it work, and it, it's something that you you allocate your resources to to make it happen um, without you know with the understanding that Deshaun Watson uh, is going to be up for a contract extension soon. Um, but you know, I think it's it's important to pay your cornerstone players, and I, I think Clowney certainly qualifies for, for that type of status. Um, you know, JJ Watts. Let's be honest. You know, he's on the long in the tooth. Exactly. And so, you know, it's in a game of football, uh, it can be taken from you pretty quickly. Um, and uh, before you know it, you're just not the same player. And with Clowney, you expect him to be just, you know, right in the midst of his of his peak years. Um, so, you know, you feel so strongly that he's going to continue this uh, production. Even if it doesn't always show in the box score, you watch him play and there is production. So, uh, no, I, I think that they, you have to figure out a way to make it happen. I know that's easier said than done, um, you know, and it's a, it's, a, it's a whole big song and dance to, you know, between the negotiations to make it happen. But I think at the end of the day, they do find a way to get it done. Yeah, I agree. So you don't buy any of this tra- the trade rumor stuff? I think it's, it, it's, it's smart to do due diligence and listen. And, you know, I don't think that, I don't, I don't believe they're actively shopping him and, like, trying to get the best possible offer or anything like that. But it is smart just to listen and going over scenarios and options and keeping an open mind to everything. 
I just think it's a far-fetched idea uh, that it, something like that would come to fruition. Yeah. All right, then. Uh, I, I said last question, but I actually have one more. Is it, Who is the better player, Demarcus Lawrence or Jadavian Clowney? You know, I mean, there has to do some different things. Um, you know, Clowney's a bigger player. Um, I think he's probably a little more stout at the point of attack, uh, which will show in the run game. Um, but, you know, Lawrence, uh, I think he's got a little more juice uh, when it comes to getting after the quarterback. And, um, you know, I think that uh, not that Clowney takes plays off or anything like that, not saying that, but Lawrence just brings this extra energy to the, to the Cowboys' defense that shows when he's out there and when he's not, it's obvious. And so, uh, you know, I, I would lean Lawrence, but – uh, you know, I, it's, uh, I don't think it's a slam dunk by any means to say that uh, uh, he, he's better. I think that there's, there's certainly a debate to be had there. Sure. I think athletically, I think you could probably give the uh, – you could say Clowney. I think production, just based on the way he's utilized, I think you'd say Demarcus Lawrence. Sure, and you know, like you said, utilization is a big part of it. Um, but again, I mean, Clowney, even though I mean, production is not just what the box score says. Agreed. Production is, you know, what uh, your, your overall impact and how it can lead to other things. So, yeah, that can always that can be tough to quantify at times. Yeah, the typical fan looks at box score. And the typical fan looks at sack totals. They don't take mm-hmm. into consideration tackles for loss, which in my book is pretty much a sack. Uh, it's a down play with a loss of yardage. So... I really don't see too much of a difference in it, but I don't know. I can't. We, me and you can't spend time educating all of uh, football Twitter because it's practically impossible to do. Uh, all right, Dane. Uh, why don't you do a quick plug for you and your Twitter and where they can find you on the Athletic and all that good stuff. Yeah, the best way uh, on Twitter at DP Brugler. Um, find all my work at the Athletic, including the draft guide. If you have. Uh, a subscription to The Athletic. You get the draft guide for free. I mean, I, I'm a big believer in what we're doing over there. Aaron does great work um, as well covering the Texans. And, you know, the, the draft guide is just kind of a perk. And I promise you, if you're interested in the NFL draft, uh, there is not a more detailed, uh, extensive look at all these players uh, than what's in that guide. I, that is a promise to you. So if you're interested even a little bit in the NFL draft, um, I, I think that you would love what the draft guide has to offer uh, so get your subscription, check it out, and uh, check out the draft guide. Yeah, and I think the the draft guide is what it's like two hundred and eighty, two hundred twenty three pages, and it's the whole thing's eight point font. So you know, I don't. There's no pictures. You know, I don't. It's a meat and potatoes type of thing. It's all about it's all about the players and painting a picture of what they are. All the full pro day combine data. Um, you know, background information, of course, strengths, weaknesses, what I think the player is going to be at the next level, all that. So. Um, it's incredibly detailed, and you know, it's. It, I always try to produce something that I would personally I would buy, and so hopefully, you know, the feedback's been great, and so hopefully, people check it out. Yeah, and the best part is you could download it and print it out if you're a nerd like me, and then a lot of people do that. Yeah, and go through and watch a video while you're reading the the draft analysis, and then totally like write down what you think Dane got wrong, and then when you see him in the NFL and see that Dane was actually right, you can just say that you weren't right and Dane was right the entire time. So, Hey, but that's, that's what social media, you know, <laughs> I, I love discussion, to be honest with you. I mean, a lot of people don't. No, a lot don't. of people use social media the wrong way and yeah. just like to be trolls and all that, but I love talking about this kind of stuff. So, 
you know, I hope people do engage with me, not in a, an adversarial type of manner, but just debate and talk and, you know, talk shop. You know, why not? That, that, that's uh, what social media could be used for if, uh, you know, people would stop trying to, you know, try to be Mr. Right all the time and just think I have an open mind to, uh, you know, all the different, you know, we all have eyes and it's just, we all see, have different perspectives on these players and, you know, what we see. And so we could all, you know, learn a lot from each other. No, I agree. And I think a lot of times people just react emotionally instead Mm -hmm. of thinking about it rationally and then having a conversation. But we're also in a world where you just can't have a friendly debate anymore. So, um, well, Dane, I really appreciate it. I know we've been trying to do this for the last uh, couple weeks, um, and I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time to come on here and educate our fans on kind of what the Texans can look for in the draft. So thank you again, and uh, we look forward to the potential of having you on um, later on after the draft. No problem. That'll work out. When they had our backs up against the wall and said that we couldn't stand the pressure, we still got it done, man. When they said the clock was winding down and it wasn't enough time to get it done, we still got it done, man. Now it's our time to shine. It's our time to keep it 100. So we gonna go out here and show them how thrilled we are, baby. So you better get out the way because we coming for it. It's all for one and it's one for all. Let's go. All for one and one for all.